Welcome everybody, my name is Corey Allen and this is the Overton Report and this is our new radio podcast. You will be able to find it on Big Patriot Radio, which is at bigpatriotradio.com. You can also find it the day after it airs uh, if you sign up with the overtonreport.substack.com. In case you don't know who I am yet, I'm an independent media person and a conservative activist based out of Charleston. We've been covering South Carolina politics and things of that nature for a couple of years now. We've been deplatformed once or twice, and we've learned some pretty hard lessons along the way, (laughs) but we've still yet to get anything wrong, and here we are. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to talk about today, but let me tell you what the show will generally be about. We will be covering some national issues, especially as they relate to South Carolina and the Low Country, a lot of state issues. Things going on at the state house, electoral politics, uh, legislation, and general political discussions. We'll bring on guests, we'll do interviews, we'll have legislators on, we'll have activists on, and we're hoping that we'll be able to do a little bit more good in South Carolina for the conservative movement, for individual liberty, because God knows we're losing it. I mean, we are losing our liberties day in and day out. Nobody, I don't think anybody in their right mind would disagree with that statement. Today, today, the first thing that I would like to talk about is January 6th. (laughs) Now, there have been some new things that have come out about January 6th. Uh, Tucker Carlson and Fox News have been covering them. They were able to get tens of thousands of hours of footage that during the January 6th commission had been sealed and, and not allowed to be shown to the public. All the while, the January 6th commission and a couple of Republic, quote Republicans had, uh, had basically told the world that this was the worst attack in the United States since the Civil War or Pearl Harbor or 9-11. Pick your tragedy. <laughs> Well, we were there um, on January 6th. We were one of the first hundred people on the the, the Capitol grounds. Leftists, don't even try it. All right, the FBI already came to our house. We covered the whole thing. And it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was was a very intense situation, but we've we've produced hours of footage and, and still have hours that we haven't ever shown of Capitol Police actually escalating the situation as much as they possibly could from the very beginning. I'm talking shooting tear gas canisters and flashbangs deep into the crowd, forcing the crowd to move forward upon the police officers, um, slapping people in the face, uh, people standing behind barriers, just dead still, not doing anything, not saying anything. And, a, you know, Capitol Police officers will come in and hit him in the face with the with the mace, you know, things like that. Uh, definitely, definitely attempting to escalate the situation. So we knew the narrative was bogus from the start. I think a lot of us knew it, but a lot of us had questions. And I'm really happy now that Tucker Carlson, well, I'm happy that Tucker Carlson has enough power at Fox News because he's so, he, he, he gets so many viewers. So that gives him power at the station, that he's able to cover these stories now the way that they should be covered. I mean, of course, we're two years too late. But I think it's very important that all of us remember that Fox News was right there in the moment calling it an insurrection, saying the exact same things as other mainstream media outlets at the same time. I think that's extremely important for us to remember. So they're not, their hands aren't clean when it comes to the false narrative that was January 6th. But now we're seeing, because he's putting, because Tucker Carlson is putting out some of this footage, now we're seeing actual sitting senators demanding censorship of media. And let's, let's listen to some of that. Segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry-picking 
from thousands of hours of security footage. Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Can you imagine? A nonviolent demonstration, a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. Many of my staff were here at the Capitol on January 6th. Their lives were put in danger, as were the lives of many of my colleagues, as well as police, maintenance staff, reporters, countless others. At one point, I was within 30 feet of the rioters. One of them, I was told, shouted out, let's get him, before my detail pulled me away, and we ran in the other direction. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning. But after last night, it looks like a disaster. Speaker McCarthy has played a treacherous, a treacherous game by catering to the hard right. He's enabled the big lie and has further eroded away at our precious democracy. When people don't believe elections are on the level, that's the beginning of the end of this bold experiment in democracy that has gone on for more than 200 years. It's all the more shameful because Speaker McCarthy knows precisely what kind of customer Mr. Carlson is. He's not surprised by this outcome. What a low point for Speaker McCarthy. What a low point for Fox News. As reporting on the Dominion lawsuit shows, Mr. Carlson had no problem admitting behind the scenes that the big lie is pure garbage. When Sidney Powell went on the air to push the stolen election narrative, Mr. Carlson told fellow anchor, anchor, anchor Laura Ingram that Sidney Powell is lying. His words by the deposition. Mr. Carlson's own producer texted him that, quote, I don't think there is evidence of voter fraud that swung the election. They know. They know full well they've been lying. And they're doing it anyway. We all, Americans of all types and stripes and corners of this country, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, need to take a stand and call out Mr. Carlson's conduct for what it is, a dangerous, unforgivable attempt to destabilize our democracy and rewrite the history of the worst attack on our Constitution since the Civil War. This is something that I never actually believed was possible in this nation. Now, before you say, oh, Corey, you're naive, of course there's been calls for censorship. Yeah, I, I understand that. But the problem here is that they're on the Senate floor discussing writing laws that will censor media. You know, in Washington State, they're putting forward a bill that would that will give the attorney general the power to prosecute people for disinformation. I, I think this is where one of the fundamental issues in the United States comes in. We have a group of people who don't think past their own nose. Because you hear, oh, we, we are against disinformation. We want to make sure only truth is reported. We want to do this. We want to do that. And therefore, we want to make a law making it illegal. It's like, oh, man, that sounds really great in the utopian never-never land that will never-never exist. But they can't think past that to, well, who, who decides what is truth and what is not? Well, if you give the government the power to distinguish between those two things, then the government line will always be the truth. 
And it really, truly does surprise me that the same people, and it's always the exact same people, the same exact people who will sit there and tell you that America is terrible, racist, original sin, uh, white supremacist, corrupt, just worst evil government in, in all of history's existence are the same ones that are saying we need to give the government power to decide what is truth and what is fiction. And I cannot, I cannot square those two ideas being held in the same mind at the same time. Unless, of course, we go to George Orwell and uh, his prophetic idea of doublethink, where you can hold two mutually exclusive ideas in your head at the same time and not be able to see the conflict. Just unable. You're just, you lack the ability. Now, of course, that goes to the current state of federal education. But that is a, that is a topic for another day. Trust me, we will be discussing education a lot on this show. But that is a topic for another day. I think that we are seeing something really big here because for the past two years, the January 6th commission did everything they could to push a narrative and they had help from New York times, CNN, MSNBC, NPR, PBS, and locally SCE TV. They had help from think tanks across the world. <laughs> they had help from foreign governments. They had help in pushing this narrative, all the help that one could imagine having. And still, still, nearly nobody really believed what they were trying to sell us. Nobody was buying it. I think they overplayed their hand. They, they, they harped on it so, so much. And the, the insurrection, unarmed civilians protest after a year of burning cities to the ground. And then these people go to the, the capital, the seat of their government, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And they express their discontent with the way their government and their elections have been handled. And that, my friends, is the worst attack on American soil since the Civil War. Nobody believed that. It was an insurrection. They were trying to perform a coup d'etat against a rightfully elected government and take it over. They just forgot to bring guns, spears, bows and arrows. I don't know, rocks? They didn't even bring rocks. Yeah, they were going to take over an, the most powerful government in the world with Joe Biden flags. <laughs> and and book bags and camera phones. Yeah, that was the big plan. It was a big plan, guys. It was a, it was a failed coup d'etat. And the reason they failed, obviously, was because they, 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 they just forgot to bring the weapons. That was all, right? I keep asking Democrats to show me a single example in world history where a coup d'etat or an insurrection took place where the people committing that coup d'etat or insurrection didn't have any weapons. Not even, like I said, not even rocks. They didn't even have rocks to throw. Slingshots? Nothing? Right. They were facing down dudes with M16s, sidearms, tear gas, flashbangs, high-powered, high-velocity mace, pepper balls, all that with phone cameras and flags. Absurd. It was absolutely absurd on its face, and I think that, like I said, they overplayed their hand, and they pushed it for two years to the point where even the people who might have initially believed some of it were finally like, this is enough, guys. Come on. So then you get into the whole disinformation, like I was saying, the, the push to make the government the arbiter of truth and the decider of what is and is not dis or misinformation. That is a recipe for disaster. We've seen what happens when censorship takes hold and the government narrative becomes something that cannot be questioned. We saw that through 2020, 2021, 2022, and now still into 2023. But 
now in 2023, we're seeing that all of the things that were just absolute truth. And if you questioned it, you were a, a bigot for some reason. We're talking about COVID here, a bigot, an anti-science, anti-vaxxer, you know, enemy of the state, enemy of the people. But now we're finding out that almost every single thing that those of us on the opposition to forced masking, forced vaccines, government shutdowns of private businesses, shutdowns of churches, we're now finding out that almost everything that the opposition, us, everything that we said turned out to be true. The lab leak, the Chinese virus. We were racists for saying the virus came from China, remember? We were racist for saying that it was a lab leak because they just so happened to have a Wuhan coronavirus lab in Wuhan, China, where the the Wuhan coronavirus escaped. And we were like, well, that's kind of fishy. Shut up, you bigot. Shutting us out of government buildings, government proceedings, churches. I mean, mm. and it was almost exclusively the liberal Democrat the leftist that was pushing these things. Now, of course, there were big government Republicans jumping right alongside them, allowing it all to happen, if not pushing it themselves to one level or another. But the fact of the matter is that, by and large, it was the leftist Democrats. So we'll be following that January, the January 6th stuff. Uh, If you want to see some really interesting footage from that time, you can go to... uh, my YouTube, just search the Overton Report, and you can go back towards 2021, 2022, and you can see a lot of the videos that we did that has footage from that from that fateful, intense, historic day. Uh-huh. And I think you'll you'll really be shocked by what you see. Again, that's YouTube.com/slash the Overton Report, uh, or you could just go to YouTube and search the Overton Report. But that brings me to something. As I said, Democrats. By and large, all they want to do is curtail freedom, personal freedom. They see everything from the eyes of sects, groups, identity groups, whether it's racial identity, ethnic identity, sexual identity, gender identity is the new one. (laughs) We're going to have a lot on that too on this show uh, in the future. Your right to bear arms, your right to speech, you know, pro-censorship. I mean, unless, of course, you're saying what they want you to say, then they're all about free speech, aren't they? Intriguing how that works. Well, brings us into our next topic, my friends, and that is the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. Now, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus is a group that is within the National Freedom Caucus. Uh, They are a legislative delegation. And they're made up of conservative Republicans. There are about 21 or so of them right now. And we saw what happened with them recently uh, when they were kicked out of the Republican caucus because they wouldn't sign what was deemed to be a loyalty oath by many people. Now, for those who are confused about this loyalty oath, you can actually go to the overtonreport.substack.com. I wrote a piece on it, and most legislators on both sides of the aisle, the Freedom Caucus, Wait, when I say both sides of the aisle, of course, I don't mean Democrats because Democrats never discuss anything in good faith. But both sides of the the aisle of this issue, the Freedom Caucus members and the uh, the House Republican Caucus, members of both of those groups said to me and in public that that the way that we laid this out was the the most fair, reasonable and and, uh, correct explanation of what has been going on. So I highly encourage you to check that out if you're... uh, If you're seeing this in in any place where there's a description, I will have it linked in the description. You can go and read it yourself. But basically, it turned the the Freedom Caucus members against the House Republican members. And let's be real. There are a few House Republican caucus members that are absurdly Democrat, like liberal. To call them Republican is almost an insult it is an insult to call them Republican because there's nothing about them that's Republican. I mean, we're talking about people who are in the Republican caucus who killed constitutional carry, who are pro-hate speech laws, pro-hate crime laws, 
We're talking about people who want to take freedoms away. We're talking about people who are pro-shutdown. We're talking about people who are pro-forced masking. We're talking about people who are pro-forced vaccines. Like, we're talking about non-conservative, very liberal Republicans, quote-unquote. Now, that's one thing. Now, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus is facing a challenge from a new area. The headline here at ABC Columbia says, Three legislators create, quote, Freedom Caucus of South Carolina. Members say caucus with a similar name is not doing its job. Okay, so it's three Democrat legislators, Todd Rutherford, Deion Tedder, and Roger Kirby, three of the most liberal leftist clowns in Columbia, as a matter of fact. Okay, they, they've created this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading ahead of this article. Mm. They've created this new thing. They're, they're trying to create this thing called the uh, Freedom Caucus of South Carolina to compete with the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. Now, Rutherford, Todd Rutherford, Democrat state rep, said, and this is from the article, quote, the goal of the new caucus is to limit government intervention, government expansion, and to support the Constitution. That's what Todd Rutherford, Democrat, far left, says, okay? I think that the only thing, I'm, I'm trying to really, really think about this. I think the only thing that the Democrat Party or any member thereof has ever tried to limit government intervention in is it attempts to limit the government intervening in BLM riots for a year and a half as cities burn. They did try to li limit the government's ability to intervene in those things. That is true. But I'm really having a hard time finding anything else that they limit government intervention in. At the same time, have you ever heard a Democrat say, well, we want to we wanna stop government expansion? Like, that's literally on the litmus test to be a Democrat, isn't it? Go stop government and support the Constitution, these are the same people that think that the Constitution is an outdated concept that needs to be rewritten using lingo like it's a living document and nothing in it is actually set in stone. That's the Democrat Party. And yet this group of three legislators, who believes, by the way, that they're going to get bipartisan support in this, I dare a Republican to support this. I dare you. Please do it. Please. Please. I need new material. Please do it. Please support these three leftists who say they want to support the Constitution, but yet every single thing that they argue for on the House floor is anti-Constitution, anti-American, pro-big government. These are the same people who say some people just shouldn't be allowed to speak their minds. These are the same people that say we need laws to punish thought and they are talking to us talking down to us of course about the constitution and supporting the constitution quote this is about south carolina this is about the future of south carolina this is about people believing that there's a group up here that pretends to vote for freedom and encourages freedom and that's exactly what they're not doing says rutherford that doesn't even make sense I'm not going to read it again, but please rewind it to the beginning of that quote. Play it again. It doesn't make sense. That's not even a real thing. The, the article continues. The Democrat representatives who hope to gain bipartisan support say they should be considered the real Freedom Caucus. They say the word freedom has been pirated by the South Carolina Freedom Caucus and that the group votes for things that are unconstitutional. What are the things they're talking about? When they say that they're voting for things that are unconstitutional, they're, they're, they're talking about nullification laws. Um, now, what is a nullification law? Well, the idea of nullification is when a state feels that the federal government has overstepped its bounds and therefore the state passes laws that will stop said state from complying with those unconstitutional federal laws. Now, after the Civil War, during Reconstruction, and throughout, especially into Woodrow Wilson's era, 
we did lose a lot of states' rights that were initially enumerated in the Constitution and implied. Uh, and those things were supposed to be the state's ability to check and balance the federal government. Ever since those states' rights have been stripped away and chipped at, well, the federal government has gained more and more and more power, becoming more and more centralized, which is literally exactly and singularly the cause for the swamp that we always talk about existing in Washington, D.C., to the level that it does exist. Nullification is not, I would argue, an unconstitutional idea, at least to the extent that it's used to stop a state from complying with unconstitutional federal overreach. So it's not fair to say it would be unconstitutional. It would be that there, there are conflicting constitutional arguments to be made at best. But these guys, of course, are entirely disingenuous, just like almost every bill they write and everything that they do and every campaign promise that they make. So I would never expect them to actually have a good faith argument about these ideas. Still, I want to get through this part because it, it really... It really is interesting. One one of the things, especially that they that they are that they were very mad about that they said was unconstitutional was all of the COVID relief money that was coming into South Carolina from the federal government. Uh, Stuart Jones wanted to add an amendment to that to the Biden bucks that would refund and give that money in the form of a tax stipend to every South Carolina citizen. It's a great idea, but it's nullification of the strings that were attached to the Biden bucks. So um, they said that's an unconstitutional item. It's not something that can happen. Well, we'll dig a little deeper into that. And I hope to talk to Stuart Jones or uh, one or two of the other Freedom Caucus members about that specific amendment and that situation, because that is one of the things that both Republican leadership and the Democrats because they do tend to have so much in common in South Carolina, uh, were raking Freedom Caucus members over the coals about, how dare you want to give all of this freely printed money to the people of South Carolina? What are you thinking? No, no, no. No, no, no. This money has to go to developers and lobbies. Not the people. Screw the people. No, yeah, but yeah. They're, uh, yeah, the Freedom Caucus are the bad guys in that one, sure. Okay, anyway. Representative R.J. May responded to the creation of the new caucus. And R.J. May is one of the de facto leaders of the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. This is probably the quote of the month for me. He says, R.J. May said, quote, Hey, we're used to the Democrat Party stealing things, aren't we? They steal our money to grow the size and scope of government. They steal childhood innocence by pushing a woke liberal agenda. And they steal elections. And so it's no surprise that the Democratic Party would steal the Freedom Caucus name brand. <laughs> oh, man. The three members of the new caucus say that their next step is to gain members and fight to limit any bill that will expand government growth. I pray, I pray that they follow through. And they limit bills that will expand government growth. I pray that they do that. But who are we kidding? We're talking about three of the most liberal, big government Democrats in existence in this state. Who do they think they're fooling? Oh, yeah, that's right. People who read ABC. People who read MSM have no idea what's really going on. So all that the left has to do is talk in vague platitudes. They never have to put their money where their mouth is. And they sure as hell aren't going to put money back into the taxpayer's pocket, are they? Last quote from Rutherford, Todd Rutherford, far-left Democrat. Quote, we're here to talk about how the government, if we're not careful, will grow to make 1984 look like a child's book, says Rutherford. Meanwhile, the entire concept behind his newly formed PR stunt that they call the Freedom Caucus of South Carolina, is based entirely on the concepts of doublethink and doublespeak. Here we go. The Ministry of Truth, the Ministry of Freedom, 
where we take your freedom. And that's actually us growing it, right? Freedom is slavery. Slavery is freedom, you know? Peace is war. War is peace. Truth is fiction. Fiction is truth. This is the Democrat Party nationally. But more importantly, this is the Democrat Party in South Carolina. Why do I say more importantly? Because the things that they do in Columbia, my fellow South Carolinians, will affect your day-to-day life infinitely more, infinitely more than the things they do in Washington on a day-to-day basis. Why else? Well, there's one more reason. 1,000 people at the steps of the State House in Columbia have more power than 10 or 20,000 at the steps of the Capitol. Hell, we had over a million and a half people there on January 6, 2021, and that didn't help at all. They actually used it as an excuse to make things worse. They actually used it as a chance to implant people to make things worse, both the government and our opposition, the left. Now, these are real problems, and it's easy to point out problems, isn't it? It's harder to point out solutions, but there are some very basic things that people can do. Anybody, right? Uh, I think I've, I've said this in a couple of speeches, actually, in, in, in the past year or so. Uh, not, not everybody can, can show up to the state house. Not everybody can get in the face of a leftist protest going on and stand your ground calmly and, but forcefully. Not everybody has the ability, the wherewithal, or the experience to do that. Not everybody can write laws. Not everybody can read through laws and see problems in them. But, but everybody can make phone calls and anybody can send emails. And those things are effective, especially in lower level politics, city council, county council, state house, state senate. Now, of course, you write an email to Senator Lindsey Graham. It's going to be hard to get, get an answer, but If you write email after email to your state representative, the odds are, if you wanted it, you could get a sit down. You can do that. But it's also very important to understand that you have to come ready to talk, not to scream, but to talk, find a solution and work towards it. And it's not easy because they can make you mad. And some of them, I mean, some of them, to be honest with you. It almost seems like it's their goal to make you mad so that they then have an excuse to push you aside and ignore you. Don't let them do that. Don't let them win, right? Because that is just the same as you giving them power over you. You're just giving them that power over you. They can control your emotions. They can control you. You know, that that, that reminds me of one other thing. It's something that some harebrained gender studies therapist came up with. Uh called the Fox News fallacy, but they they were spot on. They were right. The Fox News fallacy, uh, they used it in in an attempt to kind of paint Fox News as the bad guy. But but what what the crux of that is, is they say that there's a certain amount of people, we'll, we'll use CNN as an example. Okay. So CNN says something, and there's a certain portion of conservatives who will take it and say, well, CNN said, said it, therefore it must be false. Okay, rather than taking the piece of information, looking into it, delving in, researching, they just say, oh, CNN said it, CNN lies, therefore, this is a lie. It's very important not to fall into that trap, because here's why. I would argue that if you put yourself in a position where you disbelieve something just because of the person or entity that says it, You are giving that person or entity just as much power as they have over the people who blindly believe them no matter what they say. You're giving them the same amount of power. Because you're allowing them to still paint your worldview. You're you're just doing it in a little bit of a different way and making your worldview based upon the antithesis of everything they say. So... There's a certain amount of people who are leftists when MSNBC says the sky is green. Those people 
and of course this, these are extreme examples, but there's that certain percentage of people who will believe them because MSNBC said it, therefore it's true, right? But there's a larger percentage, I believe, of people who, when MSNBC says the sky is blue, there's a larger percentage of people who will disbelieve it simply because MSNBC said it. And that forces you to say, no, it's green, even though you know it's blue. <laughs> Do you see what I'm getting at? You've given them the power to force you into being the bad guy, into being the idiot, into being the person who doesn't believe something that is obviously true, simply because you're more focused on who said it than what was said. And that, my friends, is the epitome of placing principles above personalities, not allowing that to happen to you, not allowing yourself to become that is probably one of the most important things that you can do as a citizen of South Carolina and of the United States of America. You must take things as they come and look at them and decide for yourself and research and understand what's being said more than you should just say, since this is the source, I'm throwing it out. Now, of course, that works the other way around. There are certain entities like MSNBC that will lie exorbitant amounts, <laughs> like unbelievable amounts. And you should keep that in the back of your mind, of course. But what I'm saying is you shouldn't just disbelieve it because it's them saying it. There should be another reason that you don't believe it, like the fact that it's not true or has been disproven. Like the Hunter laptop thing, for example. So now the last thing that I would like to talk about today is this new, well, I say new, but a revised version of a hate crime act, H3014, that's H3014. And South Carolinians, if you do not already have the SC Legislature app on your phone, I highly encourage you to download it. We are one of the few states in the nation that makes it this easy to be involved, which is kind of ironic because it seems like it's almost impossible to get people involved <laughs> when really our legislature makes it as easy as any other state does or more easy than any other state to do so. You can download the SC State Legislature uh, app in your Play Store, whether you have Apple or Samsung, it doesn't matter, or whatever you have. And you can type in the number of a bill or keywords. You can follow those bills. You can watch the entire uh, State House sessions and State Senate sessions. It really is a godsend for anybody that wants to follow these things and understand what's going on as it's happening. The Clementa C. Pinckney Hate Crimes Act is what it's called. And it's older bill that's you know they've been trying to pass for a little while i guess this is one of those examples of the uh new democrat caucus of freedom the ministry of truth to uh decrease the size of government <laughs> intervention we south carolina are one of only two states in the union that do not have a hate crimes law why don't we have a hate crimes law oh i don't know because it's absurdly ridiculous it's a stupid concept. You're punishing thought and assumed or presumed motive as it states in the law itself. Now, the 2021-2022 year, the bill was H3520. It is now in this new session, H3014. This bill passed the House and died in the Senate last year, or in 20, uh, 2021 and 2022 sessions. Thankfully, which is actually very counterintuitive for, for, for me as somebody who follows this stuff, because the Senate is ex definitely more liberal than than the state house. So but here we are again. We've got Democrats and Republicans pushing this. I think there's like 20, 22, 23, some odd Republicans that are signed on to this this hate crimes bill. Actually, we're, I think we're one of three. We are one of three states that does not have a hate crime law on its books. But the federal government does have one. So there's a, uh, there's a lawyer, somebody I respect a lot, Laird Minor, 
uh, and he he follows things like this, civil rights, things like that. I'm going to read you something that he wrote. It says, just so we can get an idea, you know, from a lawyer, what this is about. This bill enhances penalties for, quote, violent crimes or mob violence, which the jury concludes was motivated by a, quote, belief or perception regarding the victim's race, color, religion, sex, gender, national origin, sexual orientation, or physical or mental disability. If the jury believes that the crime was so motivated, the ordinary penalty is increased by an additional fine of not more than $10,000 and an additional term of imprisonment of up to five years. He goes on to say in his op-ed piece about this, he says, A crime is a crime and should be punished as such. If you murder someone, he is just as dead whether you did so in order to rob him or because you hated him for his race or religion, etc. And in either case, the penalty should be the same. Provided that one has the mental capacity to understand that he is doing wrong, the motivation behind the crime should be irrelevant. In no other type of crime do we inquire into the motivation behind it or punish that motivation. I think that's an interesting point because you don't even have to have motive to convict somebody of a crime. But allowing the government to just tack on extra punishment because they perceive that, say, a black man hurt a Hispanic woman because she was a Hispanic woman to just say, okay, your motivation, what we think you were thinking, makes this crime more egregious. I think that's flawed logic, and I think it's a dangerous slope. And I think that the moment, the moment that all 50 states have something like that on the books, you'll start to see hate speech laws coming down the pike. Oh, oh wait, never mind. We don't have to wait that long because it's already happening in Florida. In Florida, a new bill is being presented, and the man who is pushing it says he guarantees that it will pass. And I would remind you that there is no, there's no First Amendment right to conduct. There's a First Amendment right to speech, and the things that we're targeting in the bill are not speech. Again, if someone wants to stand across the street from my house and wave a sign on the sidewalk, they have every right to do that, and this bill won't have anything to do with that. But when it veers into conduct, and so the way we're going to approach this is through a hate crime kicker. So if you project, if you graffiti a building, it is a crime now. But if your motivation is hate, it will be a third-degree felony. You'll spend five years in prison. If you want to litter, it's a crime right now. But if you litter and if your motivation is a hate crime, it will be a third-degree felony. You will spend five years in jail. It is a crime right now to hang banners from an interstate. For obvious reasons, we don't want to distract drivers. But if you do that and you have a hate crime, a hate motivation, it will be a third-degree felony. You will spend five years in jail. How optimistic are you of moving this bill? I guarantee the bill will pass. And I never do that. Passing out pamphlets, they say, in the bill, leads to littering. So, if you're passing out pamphlets and they're thrown on the ground, you get in trouble for littering. But if those pamphlets say something against any race or religion or political persuasion or creed or ethnicity, for example, if you're passing out literature about the failed immigration system and border control and people throw that on the ground, well, you're going to get arrested for a class three felony for littering. Okay. If it doesn't have any of that hate, hate speech as they deem it, well, you're just going to get arrested for littering. If you have a projector and you project a message onto a public building, which I see them do downtown all the time with like BLM, with the Black Fist, especially in 2020-2021, they were putting these things up and saying, you know, white supremacy is, you know, America's built on white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. Those, those types of messages I don't think would be included in this bill. But if you have um, any projection on a public building or a private building, that says something exactly like that, except about any other protected class or group of people. 
you are going to be charged with a class three felony. Doesn't matter what the content is. It just matters what the perception of the intent or thought behind it is. And that's Florida. Florida. DeSantis land, right? Trump country. Okay. That is where all of these things are headed. Hate speech. And here's what they do with bills like this. They add in some things that nobody would argue against so that when you argue against the the things like I just told you about, they can accuse you of being racist or being these things because there, there are parts in that law that will make it, uh, for example, more illegal to carve or spray paint a swastika on a building, on a, on a synagogue, right? And, and they use those as examples in the language of the bill. It's pretty in, insane to me. But they put those in the bill so that when you argue against the projection images or the passing out literature talking about the border crisis, they're able to deflect and, and, and shout you down and stomp you out and ostracize you and claim that you're an anti-Semite or a racist. Because why do you want to carve swastikas into into synagogues nobody wants nobody's saying that but that is the way that they argue and you know that you know that just as well as i do you do we all do it's just some of us have learned that when we speak up we get stomped out and some of us depend on not being stomped out and canceled for our livelihoods some of us like me will just never learn no we're coming no we're gonna have this discussion I don't care how hard it is. I don't I don't care what you call us. I don't care what you call me. But we're going to have this discussion. I'm going to force you to defend this. How are you going to arrest somebody for a third degree felony because somebody else threw away a flyer that had something about the border crisis on it? A felony, my friends, a felony. And that's Florida, like I said. So it's not really a slippery slope argument if some states are already down at the bottom of that slope. Do you understand what I'm saying? My advice, we need to stop this bill from becoming law. As Laird Minor says, such laws also probably violate equal protection under the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, as well as the very similar provision in the SC Constitution, Article 1, Section 3. I'm not aware that any such law has yet been challenged on that basis. However, in 1964, the Georgia Supreme Court ruled unanimously that that state's different Hate crime law was unconstitutional and vague, and they invalidated it. Georgia has since passed a new hate crime law, and that one is currently in effect. He goes on to say, and I agree with him, South Carolina should reject this bill. Still, the passage of some such bill seems a political inevitability. And that's what's scary to me, because you know, I think we've all heard some version of this. What's right is right, even if 10,000 people are saying it's wrong, and you're standing alone saying it's right. The amount of people that say X is right and, and Y is wrong has no bearing on the right or wrongness of that situation or that issue. Now, that's a fact, and thank God it is. And we are a republic, and we are based upon that principle. Thank God. Our republic is meant to protect the individual from the mob. And in a pure democracy, the way that the Democrat Party and the liberal left wishes we were, the mob gets to stomp on the individual, which is why it, ine it inevitably breaks down into identity politics and group politics. Because the bigger your group, the more power you have to stamp out or stomp another group or a smaller minority, or the smallest minority, the individual. And that, my friends, is something I don't ever want to see happen in the United States of America. Our biggest failures of protecting liberty in this nation have come at the end of mob justice and mob rule. Those are things that we as a nation cannot survive. And South Carolina, this is our year. This is our year. And this is our chance to really make that statement and hold fast to it. Guys, 
you'll be able to catch us right here on Big Patriot Radio or the OvertonReport.substack.com every week. You can listen at your leisure. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search The Overton Report. You can follow me on Facebook to search Corey.Allen.Overton. We really appreciate you joining us. I really look forward to, to speaking to you guys next time. As always, principles over personalities. Just keep fighting the good fight even when it gets really, really stressful. If you have any news tips, send them to theovertonreport at gmail.com or you can also send it to theovertonreport at protonmail.com. I like Gmail better for most things, but if it is something that's, you know, private, you can shoot us a message uh, at our Proton account. Any tips, any whistleblowers, like they say. All that it takes for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. And if there's one thing that we patriots cannot afford to do, it's nothing. Thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Corey Allen, and this has been the Overton Report.